Welcome back, still here at Speedway, Scabway, right here off of Yankee Doodle and Pilot Knob. Cleared it out! Woo! Nearly every day for months, Ryan Byerman has been showing up at Speedways across the Twin Cities, telling people through a bullhorn to stop buying their gas. Educated them, they said they would not be back. Talked to a few customers while they're pumping. Don't sound like they're coming back either. He tells people the gas comes from a refinery that is putting them in grave danger. Company making this gas willing to pull 1.5 to 1.7 million people right here in the metro at risk on a daily basis. The refinery is the Marathon Refinery in St. Paul Park, where Byerman himself works or did work until about four months ago. In January, he and about 200 other Teamsters called a one-day strike. The next day, they say Marathon locked them out, and they haven't returned since. Stand up for Minnesota communities. Stand up for Minnesota workers. From the Minnesota Reformer, this is Reformer Radio. I'm Max Nesterak. Workers with the Teamsters Local 120 accuse Marathon of unfair labor practices and unsafe working conditions. Safety's kind of went on the back burner, especially now that big corporation Marathon owns us. It's pretty much corporate greed over safety. Marathon says it has high health and safety standards. The Teamsters say a catastrophe is all but certain. If they continue running that business that way, it will happen. This week, a 22-year veteran of the St. Paul Park Refinery explains why he's so worried and what will get him back to work. It's Friday, May 28th. The St. Paul Park Refinery sits right along the Mississippi River. You can see the thin white distillation towers poking up above the trees from Highway 61, just 10 minutes south of St. Paul. Crude oil arrives by train and pipeline from North Dakota and Canada, which the refinery heats and mixes with chemicals before sending back out as gasoline, diesel, propane, butane, and asphalt. It takes hundreds of workers to process a little over 100,000 barrels of crude each day. We have electricians, we have machinists, rotated mechanics, we have welders, fitters, um, guys that load trucks, there's guys that operate, there's guys that are... Um, if you will, the Homer Simpsons, they run the computer, the board, they actually run the actual plant. Matt Foss got his start at the refinery 22 years ago. I was actually building gas stations, so I put the tanks in the ground. I um, was doing that, uh, ran into a fellow that happened to work at the, the plant and talked about um, my welding skills and things like that and said that I probably should come try out at the plant and uh, weld there. So I applied. Um, they actually, at the time, they weren't hiring welders, um, but they were hiring operators to operate the units. So he came on first as a reformer operator, eventually getting a job as a welder and then running behavior-based safety at the refinery. Um, basically, it was a union-run safety process that um, you watch your coworkers um, while they're working and you kind of uh, pretty much give them feedback of what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Um, really cool process um, because it's, it's coworker to coworker. Management doesn't get involved. There's no repercussions for anybody to get in trouble. He also operated the 40-ton crane, moving pipe around, and was an equipment mechanic. 
And the whole time, he worked as a volunteer firefighter, which requires its own set of training to deal with industrial fires. Um, for industrial firefighting, I bet you there's, I've gone to probably a dozen different industrial firefighting schools. Um, the other stuff that I do as a firefighter, there's high angle rescue, uh, confined space rescue. We also have uh, hazardous uh, materials, so you have to be a hazmat technician. Um, so being a hazmat tech, I went to school for that. Um, also, we do river response too, spill response on the river because the Mississippi River is 100 feet from the, some of the running units. So we have spill response boats. Today, Matt Foss is the full-time fire mechanic and rescue squad lieutenant. And the reason there's so much training is because if something goes bad, it can go really, really bad. The St. Paul Park refinery uses one of the most dangerous industrial chemicals, hydrofluoric acid, or HF. It is used to basically make the higher octane level in the gasoline. Um, like Flint Hills uses sulfuric acid, we use hydrofluoric acid. Um, it's a highly volatile um, chemical. Um, you hear that word hydrofluoric. Um, what this acid does is if it gets on your skin, it basically will eat through your skin, get into your bloodstream, and it goes and it seeks out calcium, and it'll take the calcium out of your blood, and you will no longer be here. It's, it's a pretty nasty stuff. There's only one hospital in the, in the state that is able to even deal with the hydrofluoric acid, and that's Regions. And it doesn't take that much to be fatal. Earlier this month at another marathon refinery in Texas, there was a small hydrofluoric acid leak which sent two workers to the hospital. Residents of Texas City, a Houston suburb, had to shelter in place. City officials are asking residents to go indoors, turn off air conditioning units, and close all windows. We're bringing you updates as we learn more. The shelter-in-place order was lifted only after the leak was contained and diluted with one million gallons of water. As far as hydrofluoric acid leaks go, this one was minor. Other leaks have led to massive explosions. June 21st, 2019. The Philadelphia Energy Solutions Refinery in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. At 4 a.m., flammable process fluid containing mostly propane, along with a small concentration of highly toxic hydrofluoric acid, or HF, escaped from the refinery's HF alkylation unit, likely through a ruptured pipe elbow. This is a video animation from the U.S. Chemical Safety and Hazard Investigation Board, or CSB. They produce one after every major disaster at a refinery. In this case, a faulty pipe leaked hydrofluoric acid, leading to multiple explosions. Two minutes later, the cloud ignited, causing a massive fire. A control room operator quickly took steps to prevent the release of additional HF by rapidly draining the unit's hydrofluoric acid to a special vessel designed to hold the acid in the event of an incident. At 4.15, during the ongoing fire, an explosion erupted in the alkylation unit. Four minutes later, a second explosion occurred. At 4.22, a process vessel in the unit containing flammable hydrocarbons violently ruptured, causing the largest explosion. A large 38,000-pound fragment of the vessel flew across the Schuylkill River and landed on the river's opposite bank. Videos of the fire show the entire refinery completely lit up in orange. One veteran refinery worker told the Philadelphia Inquirer, quote, it looked like Armageddon. Philadelphia's mayor just said, 
I mean, this is like, this is bad. This is, this is bad. Oh my God! The explosions, the ball of fire. Afterward, the Trouble Refinery closed for good and filed for bankruptcy. The Husky Oil Refinery in Superior, Wisconsin also used hydrofluoric acid. April 26, 2018, the Husky Superior Refinery in Superior, Wisconsin. We are following other breaking news right now. We're learning more about an explosion at a large oil refinery. Huge plumes of billowing black smoke in a series of explosions as fires spread through Wisconsin's only oil refinery. The explosion injured three dozen Husky employees and contractors and forced large sections of the city to evacuate. Which now include all the schools in Superior, as well as the Essentia Hospital, where patients are currently being evacuated and taken to Duluth. With the fire contained, emergency responders were able to put out the asphalt fire at around 7 p.m. The asphalt fire had been extinguished in a matter of hours, as opposed to days as had been initially feared. The saving grace was that the asphalt fire didn't reach the tank with hydrofluoric acid, just about 150 feet away. The Husky refinery has been closed ever since the explosion in 2018, although they are working to rebuild it. For me as a responder, it's, it's, you know, it gets my hair standing up. I mean, I'll tell you, I lose sleep over things like that when I see it because I know that that could happen at our plant. And I know how close we have a community surrounding um, our plant. Foss and the rest of the Teamsters are worried their refinery is headed toward a disaster like in Philadelphia and Superior. Foss says the trouble began about 10 years ago, when the refinery started getting bought and sold every couple of years. Let's see, we'll go northern, well, Marathon to Northern Tier, to DeSoro, to Western, to Endeavor, now back to Marathon. So what happens or what does a change of ownership do to the refinery? Are there noticeable changes? Yeah, actually, there's there's a lot of noticeable changes over these last years. Um, we've lost a lot of good people. Um, then you get a changeover. Of course, new new faces come in from whatever company bought in. You start to try to follow their policies and procedures. So really, I think I've, I've heard it before, it's kind of been a hodgepodge of policies, procedures, and companies that have come in. And now that Marathon in 2018 took over, they came in and said, hey, this is the way we're going to do it with different policies, procedures, ways that they want to run the business. So I've really felt more lost than I ever have working there. It's not just that Marathon came in with new policies and procedures, Foss says. It's that from his perspective, their way of doing things revolves around cutting costs. For example, Foss says Marathon has been replacing trusted contractors with new workers from out of state. He says this is a pattern at plants owned by Marathon across the country. They're, they're bringing up folks that have... Uh, I'll say, you know, they're hiring them for cheaper, whatever else, tell them to come up here and run vacuum trucks, weld on pipes, things like that. Folks that you talk to them and they have had no prior experience. They maybe just were making pizzas one day and now they're pulling apart exchangers and vessels and, and equipment inside of a refinery. Um, we had a company called Vite in there. They did all of our environmental cleaning and things like that. They, they were the ones that got in there. You can imagine a vessel or a tank being full of sludge and hydrocarbons and things, and now you got to go in there and you've got to clean it out so that folks can go in there and inspect it, maybe do repairs to it, weld it, whatever else, but you got to get in there and clean it out. Those That's a highly skilled um, labor practice that you need to have there. they got to be hazmat technicians. They're cleaning the things. They need to know how to use supplied breathing air to get in there and clean this stuff, and they've hired just about anybody they can to come in there and do those same jobs. 
guys that run vacuum trucks, they're called, and they'll take some of the, the, the products out of these tanks, and then you get in there and would clean it out. Um, some of them, I'm not even sure if they're able to even drive them correctly, let alone operate them. And so they've, they've operated some of these vac trucks. They've actually put just as much stuff on the ground as that they've taken off of the ground. And that, that's, that's a bad thing. If you, if you put the wrong thing in one of those vessels, it can explode in a truck that actually is vacuuming up hydrocarbons. Marathon, for its part, said in a statement that they have a rigorous process for selecting contractors with exemplary safety records. But Foss and the Teamsters also complain Marathon has been combining jobs, making people do more work, and that the company has stopped investing as much training. But the biggest and most concerning change for Foss has been in his own department. So the last five years, the one good thing we had going um, through those changes of companies, um, we ended up having a full-time fire department, which, which meant we had four full-time firefighters that were marathon employees and had been marathon employees for a while and, and, and were also on the fire department. Those guys, that's all they did was full-time fire, so they did most of the training. They went to advanced training all over the country. Um, and along with that, we had a contractor outfit of nine guys um, that were firefighters. That, that was their whole job. And then you, you add that with us 30 at the time, 30 volunteer firefighters, 30 plus. Um, we had a really good thing going. Um, Marathon decided that's not the model that they use. Um, so they took the four full-time firefighters and kind of moved them out into the plant as operations foremen or supervisors. Um, they're telling the, the other nine guys that they're gonna go down to three guys. This actually made the news when it happened. City leaders in St. Paul Park are now growing a little bit worried because the refinery is moving from a full-time fire crew to an on-call firefighting system. Marathon, again for its part, says its firefighting capabilities are robust. And the company points to the fact that there haven't been any complaints to state regulators at OSHA since they took control in 2018. The disagreements between Marathon and the Teamsters came to a head last fall when they began negotiating a new contract. Marathon proposed adding more duties to some jobs, as well as eventually replacing some union maintenance workers when they leave or retire with non-union contractors. Foss's job is one of those up to be replaced with a contractor. At this proposal, Foss and his coworkers balked, saying this is going to lead to a less reliable workforce in a less safe refinery. The way, the way I look at mostly, you, you could lose experienced people, right? Because now you have a revolving door. If you don't pay guys as well, you're gonna have a revolve, revolving door of folks coming in the plant, working on specific equipment there. These guys are there day in and day out. They know that they have to look at me, they have to look at other operators, and they have family. They have, it means more to them to do the job correctly, to, to care for that equipment, because they have to go walk by it the next day. When you bring in folks from Louisiana, Texas, and down south, that I'll say, some of those, they say they're skilled workers, and some of their supervisors have been it, but they can walk away from it. They can go work on that piece of equipment and walk away and not care as much because they're not going to be here tomorrow. So your fear is that if more jobs are replaced with contractors, that those folks may not be trained as much, may not be paid as well, and therefore may not stick around as long, and won't know the equipment or know the refinery as well? Yeah, exactly. I've, I've, I can get the example of the, the firefighters I talked about earlier, the nine firefighters these last couple of years, they've you know told them they're gonna go down to one firefighter. So you can imagine what happened last year when they told them that, 
these guys have been a revolving door. Literally, I worked, there was nine positions to be filled. I worked with up to 20 different people last year. They would come in, you'd show them the same thing. They were there for a month. They would leave because they're going to find better, they're younger guys. They're going to go find full-time fire jobs at St. Paul, Roseville, things like that, other places in the state of Minnesota, not come work for less in a, a refinery that is very hazardous. Um, so the company says in its offer, it's only proposing subcontracting one job and that job is not safety sensitive and it would only be replaced after that job was voluntarily vacated. Yeah, there was a couple of them. There was a janitor position, there was a tool room position, um, and then our warehouse positions. They were saying they were going to get rid of if those folks retired. Now they've they moved on that a little bit, and now they, I guess they were going to, if those folks retire, they're no longer going to have those positions. And those, those you're correct, those positions, I guess, really aren't safety sensitive. You know, it's a janitor, um, it's a warehouse um, uh, worker. Um, but on the downside of that, a tool room attendant, he takes care of all the tools that people are using to work on equipment in that plant. So that person needs the knowledge and experience. And that's usually one of our probably most experienced folks that are in those positions because they've done, they've been on tools for how many years? They've done numerous jobs, maybe welded, maybe been a rotating mechanic. And now they're in the tool room and they know the do's and don'ts of the tools and they know how to properly take care of them. Likewise with the warehouse positions. You really don't want just anybody that can move boxes and things in there. Most of those folks have been a rotating mechanic. They've been a welder. They've worked in operations. So when they're handing out pumps and gaskets and parts for those pumps um, and things, that means they've probably had 20 or 30 years of experience. That's the guy you want to go to when you're asking for a part out of the warehouse. So it sounds like every single job at the refinery, even if it doesn't seem connected to something dangerous, everything has to go right at the refinery. Everything has to go right from moving the chemicals to, to uh, changing light bulbs. You know, the, the, the unions at a stance that, hey, you're gonna make the plant, the community, and the state of Minnesota at risk. We're gonna put them at risk. Um, and, the, and the company has not budged on any of it. They just keep giving the same contract as they did starting in November last year. They haven't changed their tune on any of it. So then you all went on strike on January 21st? 21st, yep. And then you said you would go back to work. Why did you say that? So essentially what that was was, was a 24-hour safety strike. Hey, we're telling the company, we're go you're not negotiating with us. You haven't negotiated in good faith at all. You're not moving on any of these, these issues. If we don't tell you that, hey, we mean business, that we, we want the community to be safe, so we went on a 24-hour strike, and when we went to go back, they would not let us come in. Really? So what happened? They basically trespassed our, our folks that tried to go in Friday night. I think it was the 22nd. And you haven't been allowed back in the refinery since? No. And now what they've done, they've sent us a letter saying, hey, you guys can come back. You've always been welcome um, to come back to work now without a contract at all. But essentially, you would be a non-union employee is what the company's stating. And what would that mean, I guess, practically speaking? You, you would go back into the plant and not under a contract. So they could do what they will with the fire departments, the, the boiler, crude operators, the maintenance folks. They could hire, fire, whatever they want to do. In your years, how many times have you gone on strike over working conditions? Uh, this would be the second time. So 2006, when Marathon owned us before, uh, they put us out on strike. 
and they were taking a lot of our operations jobs. And at the time, I was in operations. Uh, they weren't going after any of the maintenance. They were going after operations. Um, St. Paul Park Refinery is still refining oil. Who's doing the work if the workers aren't there? So right now, who's doing the work is our salaried man management uh, supervisors. They, they've been doing it. They bring in from other plants, they bring in managers and supervisors to come fill in. Um, and they run it. They've run other plants, but they, ha they haven't run our plant. So what you have right now is our supervisors, and, and most of them talking to someone because they're our friends, co-workers that we've worked with for years, and some of them were uh, union members before, and then they take salaried positions, uh, management jobs. Um, but some of them have worked, I've been told, over 70 nights in a row. They're probably frustrated because they're doing twice the amount of work right now. They're probably uh, fatigued. So those are two things that are not good to have folks working as. Now you bring in contractors that aren't from the plant either, that are inexperienced and possibly not trained uh, up to the standards they need to be. You're just you're asking for high risk, you know, and possibly a disaster. That's how those things happen. When the chemical safety board shows up, if you've ever got a chance to see any of those videos, what it does is after like BP explosions, Husky uh, refinery up in Superior, the chemical safety board comes in along with OSHA and all those, but the chemical safety board, well, they'll look into how did this happen? Was it training? Was it lack of people? Were people tired? Were they rushing, frustrated, complacent? Um, all those things, they look at how can we prevent this, right? Because big explosions in a refinery could take out part of the state of Minnesota. A vapor cloud of any kind coming from that plant could end up in downtown St. Paul in minutes and affect a lot of people. And I can tell you right now, all these things I've been talking about, the fire department, what they've done to that, what they've done to the experienced union workers in that plant, what they're doing to the experienced uh, workers that are working in that plant, work, overworking them, and then bringing in other folks that don't know the plant, a revolving door of those folks that has chemical safety board video written all over it. The Teamsters have been rallying support from politicians, including Governor Tim Walls and city leaders of St. Paul Park and Newport. And workers have gone further to criticize Marathon. In April, the Laborers Union released a report based on dozens of interviews with workers, including Foss, detailing their concerns at the refinery. Marathon vehemently disputes the findings of the report. Marathon's Jamal Carey said, We use a rigorous process to select companies to provide contracted services at the St. Paul Park refinery. He went on to say, We ensure that employees and contractors alike know that if they feel a task is being performed unsafely, they each have the authority to stop their work in progress until the safety concern is addressed. Foss says that's what they're doing now. That, we're using the stop process because we find it we're, it's unsafe right now. We're willing to stand out in the road and, and let the whole state of Minnesota know that. Mm -hmm. What's it going to take to get you all back to work? I would say, I mean, keep it the way it was. Keep, keep the contract the way it was. But we need a skilled labor workforce there. We need a skilled union workforce, operations, maintenance there, lab technicians. Um, and we need a full-time fire department. This show was produced by me, Max Nesterak, and edited by Patrick Kulikin. 
Special thanks to Johnny Vince Evans, who composed our theme. This show is new, so tell your friends and family to subscribe, and make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can reach out to me with ideas and comments at max at minnesotareformer, all spelled out, dot com. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Reformer Radio. Have a great weekend, and happy Memorial Day.